Podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Doug. Doug, a little bit of an extended time uh, in between episodes means we have a little bit of an extended gameplay. We got five games to get into, so let's get into it. The Canucks' first game on this flight was against the Vegas Golden Knights. They ended up losing 3-2 in overtime. Bo Horvat and JT Miller were your goal scorers. Canucks uh, again play Vegas. This is going to be a kind of common theme uh, throughout this. This time, 5-1. It was the Elias Pettersson show of this game as he racked up four points. The Canucks finally win in Vegas. It only took a few years for that to happen. The Canucks then went on the road to play the Arizona Coyotes and came away with a 5-1 victory in Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland's return to the desert. Alex Chason and Bo Horvat each had two goals and an assist, while Elias Pettersson had a goal and two assists. Next then have the Sharks up next and come away with a 4-2 victory without a lot of their big guys getting on the score sheets. Jason Dickinson got it going with a beauty and Connor Garland finally bumped his slump. Chase on and Shen into the empty net and the Canucks keep it rolling. The Canucks then played the Vegas Golden Knights for the third time in the last 10 days and came away with a 5-4 win in overtime. Despite giving up that goal in the, with the, the last 40 seconds, the Canucks did get away, come away with the extra point. Elias Pettersson had another three-point night. Connor Garland had two assists, and Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes each had a goal and an assist. I know we only started the flights this year, but that's got to be a, a first, having the same team three times in the flight. Oh, it, it has to be. And I, I also think that might be the, the best game flight we've ever done in regards to wins. Yeah, what is that? 4-0-1, right? Nine out of possible 10 points. Yeah, I mean, the only game that we didn't get that full uh, full win was the was the Vegas overtime loss. Yeah, well, I think you're right. A nine-point flight. Uh, maybe next year we keep track of our flights and uh, and uh, we can look back on that and, and have a good chuckle. Um, you know, I like my stats. I like doing that kind of weird random stuff. But anyways, Doug, how's things in your neck of the woods? It's been a while since we've recorded. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we took a week off last week. I believe uh, you were going to the island and my work schedule didn't really align. And I think if the one day that we could record, there would have only been one game for us to really talk about. So it yeah. didn't make a lot of sense on that aspect. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, outside of the, the hail storms that we've seen uh, over in my neck of the woods, and I'm pretty sure you've probably had a couple in your neck of the woods as well, Pete, uh, it's been pretty good in, over in Olympic Village. Man, the weather's been wacky. When I was in Victoria, uh, as you know, I'm doing like uh, I'm in marathon training mode uh, at the moment. Uh, so I did. I'd planned this long run uh, in Victoria, and uh, for those who live in Victoria, it basically hugs the water. It's like you know going through Oak Bay, Dallas Road, uh, all along there downtown, and then taking the goose home. And the entire time I was in the water. Uh, along the water there, uh, I was running into the wind. So I'm just like, oh God, come on! Like, can't wait till I turn the bend and get the wind to my back. Finally get on to the goose, got the wind in my back. I'm like, yes. 
And then it starts hailing and just like coming down on me. And like, you've got to be kidding me. Like what is going on running into the wind for like the past hour and then uh, getting hailed on. But yeah, there's some serious wackiness going on on the Island and uh, down here. I mean, working in the brewery, every time I step outside, it was like doing something different. It's, it's just being, it's being pretty crazy down here. Yeah. I mean, I've always mentioned and joked that I think Vancouver has like bipolar weather, right? Like one minute it's like, beautiful and sunny it seems like it's spring and then the next minute you know you've got it's torrential downpour rain and then all of a sudden it's hailing and uh you know there's been a couple of days this week where we saw all three of those things uh happen in a day yeah for sure man it's being wacky um we got a we got a fun episode coming up though um we have jay also known as blue collar brigade for those on twitter uh he's joining us it's his second appearance on the show and uh we're going to chat about what is going on with the Larshiders, and uh, they've got some cool stuff coming up. So you definitely want to check this out. Yeah, I mean, we had Jay on about a year ago now, and obviously, you know, he shared with us, you know, what the Larshiders are all about. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they've got some exciting things happening uh, next week in the arena, and uh, Jay will uh, be letting you and I know what they got coming up and uh yeah we're looking forward to the conversation most definitely uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun one and we got a got a bunch of other stuff coming up uh we got uh our three stars of the month from march which seems like ages ago now but this is really the first time we've had a chance to to do it since the month concluded so we'll do our three stars as well and of course we have the free pour and all the other good stuff as well yeah, Pete, and also uh, you edited last episode, so if you can tell uh, you know the listeners out there a little bit about the outro track you selected for, uh, I guess it wasn't last week's episode, it would have been two weeks ago's episode, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah about 12 days ago now, I think was our last one. So I kind of chose this one uh, uh, quite deliberately because uh, it's a band called Antiballas. It's an 11-piece afro funk band out of new york who have a a real sound that reminds me of fella cootie um and i love that kind of african rhythm but they were playing in vancouver at the commodore uh, a couple of saturdays ago so i was like well you know i'm going to see them give me a little something to talk about uh great show commodore is always good it wasn't completely full even though it was a saturday night so that was kind of nice um but yeah man these guys are tight like four-piece brass uh congos percussion drum uh three guitars i think it was you know what's crazy as well i was surprised by this but the majority of the guys in the band are actually white like the the rhythm section and the vocals are led by uh, a couple of black guys but like the whole horn section were white guys um and it was just this like just real mix of styles and sound and they just man they sounded right like uh something out of you know 1970s nigeria it was it was a great show and the song is called uh si se pueda um I, there's a lot of different ones I could choose. I just that's one of the songs I really dig by them. Yeah, and it's nice to see music, live music happening again. You're seeing more and more bands from the U.S. or overseas coming and touring again. And you know, it's been a long two years, and I'm excited. There's a couple of concerts coming up that I'm looking forward to going and seeing for the first time, as far as live music at venues and. Uh, just seeing live music again, right? It's it's just been far too long. And uh, yeah, I wasn't able to join you guys for that uh, show at the Commodore, but uh, I'm very much looking forward to a couple of the other concerts I've got coming up on my agenda. And yeah, man, uh, I love the track and I thought it worked very well with your outro. 
Yeah, sweet. And I think uh, your next concert, I'm actually going to as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of good shows coming up. I'm uh, I'm just grabbing tickets uh, to as many things as I can. Um, you can follow us online. I am at Pete underscore gas. The podcast is at Canucks Speak. That's both on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Venn. And be sure to check out our Spotify playlist. It's the Canucks Speakeasy outro playlist on Spotify. Uh, I'll be adding a funky jam to that playlist at the end of this episode. Doug, should we uh, get into our three stars here before we bring Jay on the line? Uh, yeah, I've got my three stars ready to go. I think he'll be back for an encore yet tonight. Fans haven't left. They're still here. There's still the three stars selections to come. So my third star of the month of March, and again, I have to say this is a relatively boring list uh, just because it was pretty easy to figure out who the three stars were, in my opinion. So my third star for the month of March was Elias Pettersson. He played 12 games in the month of March and scored 11 points, five goals and six assists. My second star was Bo Horvat who had 14 points in 14 games, nine goals, five assists, led the team in goals for the month of March. And my first star is JT Miller, had 21 points in 14 games, eight goals, 13 assists. Uh, again, it was a pretty easy one, two, three for the month of March. And, you know, they were arguably our three best players for that month. God damn it. I have the exact same three in the exact same order uh, as well. <laughs> I got Miller, Horvat, PD, one, two, three. Uh, for all the reasons you said, there also are three top goal scorers. Um, I did take a long look at Quinn Hughes as well uh, in there. But, I mean, Miller, 21 points in 14 games. That's a 1.5 point per game. Um, PD started getting hot as the month ended. Uh, Horvat led the team in goals. Um, it was... It was really hard not to choose those three guys. Um, I've now chosen JT Miller as my first star of the month. All three months we've done this uh, as well. Um, and I'm sure with now once we update our point totals, um, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in first on our leaderboard as well. So I agree. That was a pretty easy one, two, three stars. Uh, the only guy, like I said, I looked at otherwise was Quinn Hughes. But uh, um, shaping up April is going to be a pretty fun one when we get to the end of the month to see uh, who we got. But uh Miller, Horvat, Pedersen, one, two, three from both of us. That's a first that that has happened. Yeah, and I agree. Like Quinn Hughes definitely deserves strong consideration for probably the third star of the month. But I think Horvat's goal totals, PD, you know, kind of going back to the PD that we're used to seeing from a couple of years ago, and obviously Miller with a one and a half point per game total for the month of March. It just it, it was it was too hard to leave any of those three off. Yeah, and Miller and Horvat combined for 13 even strength goals uh, as well, um, which is really something that led the team by quite a bit. Seven for Miller and six for Horvat. Um, so that was something else uh, I also took into consideration. Um, Doug, let's uh, let's get Jay on the line here. All right, joining us now, our guest for the week is Jay Aikenhead from the Larshiders. You can follow him on Twitter at Blue Collar Brigade, you dropped the E's in that Twitter handle. Jay, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, so great to be here, guys. And uh, Jay, I'm, it's, uh, it's, I, know we, I know we've had you on the show before, but uh, quite excited to bring you back because not only is there lots of stuff 
to talk about with the Canucks, and we'll get to that in a bit, but there is lots of stuff going on with the Larshiders right now as well. Yeah, that, yeah super exciting, especially after uh, you know, not being in the arena for a while, and we were fortunate to, to get packs again this year and kind of force it through, um, even though their organization was so decimated uh employee wise like it was uh, no legacy of what we had kind of built over the few years so uh it's been really fun kind of building it back up and um uh, we're going to be in the building in the lower bowl on april 19th which is absolutely incredible and uh something i could only have dreamed of uh, when we kind of started this thing uh six years ago and when we were first kind of you know just trying to even get in the building so uh yeah super excited to uh be down there in the expensive seats and uh hopefully causing a ruckus uh on april 19th so i want to i do want to talk about that um but for people who don't know or again because because of covid it's been a while and in games experience we lost uh, a lot of stuff um the larshiders has been around for a few years now and you know i've, I've seen you guys at games and i uh, generally tucked in the upper bowl and just maybe tell us a little bit. Um, I know you guys have like a, a list of, I, I call them like the 10 commandments uh, that you guys have. Um, and maybe uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about those because there's some things on there. Uh, well, I like all the things on there, but I think it's a really kind of clever way of, uh, of approaching being a fan at the game. Yeah. I, I couldn't pull them out verbatim. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah, I honestly don't even have them in front of me, but uh, yeah, essentially, you know, we just want to guidelines of, uh, how not, uh, you know, how to be a good fan and basically not be an asshole. Um, you know, so got to get some of those points in there, but, you know, one of the main ones, I think, uh, that really stands out in terms of where we're trying to take this thing is that, you know, we're, we're watching the game. Um, you know, we're not on our phones, uh, and we're, we're there as fans, uh, first and foremost, and, um, we're also there to support the team or team supporters. Um, and with that too, um, you know, one of the commandments is, uh, don't, uh, tell someone they suck when they don't suck. So for example, like, you know, pulling that out on a Ovechkin, um, you know, obviously we've got the jeers for the goalies or whatnot, but we're fans. And, um, just cause, uh, you know, someone's not on your team, uh, you know, you boo them or you heckle them or whatever you want to do, but you know, you, you're hockey fans first. I I'm glad you mentioned the, the suck thing. Cause that's something we all often tell our guests. It's like, Hey, you know, you, if you're coming on here, you can say, you know, Oh, Johnny Goudreau sucks, but you better have a reason to back it up. And, and the fact is that no player in the NHL actually sucks. So, you know, you can say, Hey, I dislike Johnny Goudreau because, uh, don't like the way he shoots the puck or something. Right. So mm -hmm. that's something that we've always told our guests is like, Hey, if you don't like someone at least back it up, but you, you know, don't come on here and just say someone sucks because well, you know what? They don't actually suck. Yeah. And it frames more for the support for your team. Like why you're there, right. You want to, you want to rally with positivity and uh, just cause you know, maybe they're wearing the wrong Jersey, like, yeah, jeer them for that, but uh, don't put them down. Yeah, and I think, again, Jay, thanks again for joining Pete and I. It's second time around on the speakeasy. Um, but I think that's also a thing like going to games, right? It's you get a mix of people in the crowd. You get the some people who seem like they're just statues 
Like you don't even know if they're alive or they have a pulse. They're just sitting there. They're not really cheering. And you're like, why would you come to the game? You could just sit still on your, on your couch and stare at your phone the entire time. If that's what you wanted to do. And I know for years, people complained about Rogers arena, how it was very corporate crowd. And, you know, obviously as Canuck fans, we would see, Teams like Toronto, Montreal, Boston come to town. And often, more often than not, we'd be out cheered of our own building just because the Canucks would be down and you'd get all the Ontario transplants coming over here. And I think you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you really tried to like, hey, like, let's have a proper cheering squad like we see in, you know, European football and stuff like that. And I know this upcoming event you guys are doing being in the lower bowl, I think is actually really good because more often than not, the lower seats are kind of reserved for, you know, corporate crowds and to be more loud and boisterous and cheering in that lower bowl will hopefully, you know, add to the atmosphere of the stadium. hundred percent. That's the goal. And we, we really want to grow fandom, um, you know, and part of it is, is culture, right. Um, you know, in Canada, we've been taught, to be more reserved. It was, we talked about this last time, but it was promoted uh, in Rogers arena to be more reserved, um, especially in the lower bowl. Um, and, you know, it was frowned upon and it was promoted to like basically tattletale on people who were having too good of a time. Uh, so, you know, we really have to take steps um, as a hockey community really to, um, you know, counteract that. And that's really what the large is about. That's why, you know, it came to fruition and, uh, that's why we've been, you know, growing our, our little base. Um, so we set more standards around, you know, how we want people to act, not how we want people to act, but how we want people to experience or uh, interact um, uh, at the, at the arena. I know the last two years have felt like a lifetime for all of us, but have you seen more interest in people wanting to join the Larshiders with the restrictions, with how many people can be in the arena and all that stuff. Have, has this in some weird, crazy way actually garnered more interest for people wanting to join the Larsh Riders community and fans yeah. fandom? Yeah, good question. I actually really hadn't thought about that, but um, we sold, um, you know, it's a, there's a core group that is main organizers and we sell the majority, I'd say like 90, 95% of the tickets. Uh, and then we kind of put it out to our kind of greater community um, after that for people to kind of pick it up. But, um, you know, in terms of the initial sale, there's a lot of interest and, um, you know, the remainder was really scarce. I think we sold it out within, you know, 10 or 12 hours this year and that's 200, a block, uh, 225 tickets. So really like a, say a week for us to organize our, our subgroups and then to go on that initial sale, like that's, it's pretty impressive. Um, and then now with this in the lower bowl, you know, we're at whatever we just checked, uh, you know, 30 from, from sellout. Um, and, uh, you know, the, we've basically been selling out for the last 10 days as well. So one other thing that you guys make a point of touching on is that you're not the Southsiders, which I know is something that I think when a lot of hockey fans in the city think, Oh, Hey, there's like a Canucks booster club for lack of a, a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people think uh, Southsiders because of what they have done for this city and the Southsiders and, and the Whitecaps came into the MLS around the time when there was a real lull uh, at Rogers arena. And so mm-hmm. quickly there's a buzz around the city. It's like, Oh, Hey, Canucks are boring. Go to a Whitecaps game. Why do you guys feel that it's really important to kind of continuously 
differentiate your differentiate yourself, sorry, from uh, just, you know, not being the Southsiders, not being soccer fans, but uh, being unique on that level. Yeah, that's a tough one um, because that is a, cult, uh, a culture that you can lean on or, you know, even within Europe, that's where a lot of their hockey culture and chants and how they act at the or interact at the or rink uh, are kind of formed. But, you know, we are Canadian first and foremost as well, um, you know, uh, and we're hockey fans. Um, and there is a lot of traditions within that, you know, maybe they're a bit more dormant. Uh, or maybe not as prominent, especially like we we're just talking about at Rogers, but um, you know, there's stuff there and we're trying to tease that out uh, and really make that the focus. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the, the songs and, you know, we, I really love what the Southsiders do. And if I want to go to a soccer game, that's a way I definitely want to experience it. Um, but uh, you know, we really want to make sure that we're promoting hockey culture um mimicking some things for sure like you know you learn from what other people are doing but we really want to bring the for forefront you know the experience that we really remember as kids at the coliseum um you know and uh you go to other junior rinks all over canada uh and it's really quite electric uh some of the, some of the stuff they're doing and um what the positivity and the, the team support that a lot of those those clubs have yeah, I mean, one of the things you referenced, you know, being a kid and watching the Canucks play in the Coliseum, one of the things I really miss, and obviously we haven't had a lot of play playoff success, but is the na 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 hey, hey, goodbye when we're about to eliminate someone. That's something that, you know, obviously that 93-94 run and, you know, a couple of, I, I believe one of the series that the West Coast Express won, it was the same thing. And that's something I really miss that we haven't really had a ton of in Rogers Arena. Going back to the Coliseum, I mean, my first Canucks games were at the Coliseum and I was living in Victoria. Uh, my first game was a Canucks Habs game. And I remember it was just it was an atmosphere in there, right? Because you still had all the Habs fans. But that crowd, that East Van, that blue collar kind of crowd, um, it was a different crowd then uh, with, when the, the team had the roots out there. And I also remember coming over on the Sunday afternoons. There used to be Sunday afternoon games. So us Islanders could come over. But there's really, um, I, I mean, it is tough that when the team moved downtown, there was a little bit of that uh, East Van edginess in kind of uh, that crowd and, you know, Esposito telling the crowd that we tried our best. Uh, that got a little bit lost when it, it moved downtown. Yeah, like the ticket price uh, alone, you know, has obviously skyrocketed and made it. Uh, we are just talking about how, lower bowl is really hard for people to get into now. Um, you know, some people that, uh, I help were in my little subgroup here. They've never been in the lower bowl. Uh, you know, those people, my age is like in our thirties. Uh, and you know, they've, they've, they've been fans for a while. They've been, you know, part of the large shutters, uh, for the four, uh, years that we've been able to be in the four and a half years we've been able to be in the building. And, they still haven't had that experience. So, you know, that's first and foremost, it, it changes. It's not to say that the Coliseum had some, some rough edges too, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to walk down there uh, with my dad uh, and uh, it's definitely a different atmosphere um, and a little bit more uh, booze flowing uh, through some guys for sure. But, um, you know, again, we want to take the, the positives, uh, the, the things that, 
you know, we really liked um, uh, going through that. But also, you know, I think in-house entertainment um, at the Canucks has done a decent uh, job at trying to tease some different things out. You know, um, they're definitely catering to a more generalized crowd again. And that's another way we want to differentiate is we want to be, uh, you know, the hardcores. We, we're, the, we're the supporters. We're not just there uh, for, you know, some of the, the fluff uh, that, that goes on. And again, it's positive. It's getting more people interested in the game. Uh, but we're there for the game itself. Uh, we're there for the players and we're there to s- support the team. Um, and, uh, you know, and like I said, move move the, the culture forward so more people, you know, see that and maybe that interests them. So April 19th, you guys are doing something huge. You have, huge. Uh, I know, several hundred tickets uh, and several sections in the lower bowl. That there's going to be full of fans who are going to be standing the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the game against uh, the Senators next Tuesday. Uh, that's, I mean, that's something uh, we haven't really seen in, in regular season hockey in Vancouver in a long time. It is, you know, I, I've had d- games where Doug, we've gone to and you're standing up and people tell you to sit down. I have people tell me to sit down at the Olympics when Crosby was taking a penalty shot. I like, no, you guys stand up. Uh, yeah. But this is, uh, I mean, how, how excited are you for this? This is going to be, this is going to come across on TV and, and on radio and everything else as well. Oh, just, just unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Just like the, ex- the, the visual exposure in itself versus just being tucked up in the corner. Um, you know, we're, like I said, we're normally uh, over 200, just over 200. Uh, we'll be just over 500 um, for this game. So, you know, the magnitude of the volume of voices uh, uh, being projected as well, um, you know, is amplified greatly, not to mention just being in the lower bowl and, uh, you know, being able to project that, uh, in a different way, we're going to be right above the Zamboni uh, Bay um, in traditional supporter style. Uh, that is to be in the defensive end uh, for the majority of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just going to be supporting the boys and, uh, you know, triangulating everything uh, directly away from that net and towards their other net. So the Canucks obviously, uh, had to be on board with this. Was there anything that you guys kind of had to do to sell it and just say like, Hey, you know, we just, cause obviously, yeah, you guys mean tucked up in the three hundreds up, up near, uh, you know, what we call the nosebleeds, even though the nosebleeds and Rogers are, are still good. Yeah. Like how to, how, like how receptive were the Canucks or do you guys really have to kind of sell the idea or how yeah. did that all come about? For sure. And especially with the organizational turnover that that's happened over COVID, like they went down to 30 employees. Um, wow. So, you know, from 300 and something uh, in their business operations. So, you know, the loss of knowledge uh, that all the people we've been dealing with for four plus years uh, to start the program and to help them sell tickets and to uh, get our ideas out there, you know, that's basically all lost, except for a few very high up, um, you know, VPs and um and, 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 and those guys. Uh, so, you know, coming in this year, even it was a real f- scrap just to get our initial ticket offering. Um, no one knew who we were. Uh, you know, we were pushed down by a couple of really key people, thankfully, and then they really helped us out. Um, and, you know, we eventually got in, but essentially we became just a ticket holder, um, a really 
lucrative ticket group, you know, 500 or sorry, uh, 200 times uh, eight games, um, which, which is why we were able to get in the building. Um, And, you know, now that they kind of see that, uh, you know, there is an appetite and uh, there's a business model around uh, doing it. Um, you know, it's gotten the years of, of the business ops, but what really kicked this uh, event off, which is really important, uh, is a gentleman got hired on uh, the hockey ops side and, um, you know, uh, his name is Martin Rabanzer and he uh, started pushing the idea, unbeknownst to us, uh, pushing the idea of a fan group in the lower bowl. Um, he started pushing on the hockey ops side and if you know the organization, hockey ops definitely trumps uh, a lot of decisions that are made on the business ops side, um, you know, uh, so uh, that really allowed it to kind of start growing. And he got in contact with me somehow as some random, um, uh, my my ex-roommate's partner is a hairdresser. And <laughs> he knows someone who knows this guy, you know, he's new to town. Um, this is his first year here. And um, we got connected and and kind of we just started uh, snowballing the idea from there. So, you know, we've been really fortunate um, that, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm with, with having the help from the hockey upside and then also proving ourselves on a business side um, earlier in the year to get the business ops year and allow uh, for that conversation to happen um, and then kind of uh, bringing us in. So it sounds at least like, uh maybe it's it's new blood at the Canucks who uh who notices but there is an awareness that compared maybe to other arenas that there's just something kind of lacking in Rogers and that they're willing to kind of try some different things I, I've noticed from in-game experiences that uh like you alluded to earlier they are trying kind of different events and different things and they are trying a lot of things out where it had been very much family and sit in your chair oriented for a long time yeah. And, uh, they, they've had a really concerted effort. Like they've, um, increased the budget for, uh, in-game presentation quite drastically, uh, you know, just pre pandemic and then, uh, now, uh, post pandemic, um, you know, so th- they're trying things. Like I said, I, I think it's, I think it's good. Uh, you know, the, 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 the action hero movie, the, you know, the, the gimmicks, uh, they're trying a lot of different sing-along choices. Um, you know, they're trying different things, bringing in a, a, D, a DJ, although I, I did really like uh, our original way, way back DJ, DJ Jay Swimming. That was a really unfortunate, but, um, you know, they, they're, they're trying things to make the interest uh, greater past the hardcore fan. Um, and again, that's just where we're, tr- we're trying to be a bit different, but we're really happy to have uh, some support there as well. Yeah. And like you bring up the, I guess the marketing and the money they're spending to kind of broadcast the Canucks brand to a wider audience. I mean, you're seeing it with these like special jerseys for like black history month, the LGBTQ jerseys, um, you've got the indigenous jerseys, right. And like the Diwali jerseys, and those are all great. And it's also trying to like reach out to fans and, you know, make the Canuck brand more inclusive. And I I think, you know, what you guys are doing is great. And especially, you know, this opportunity, I guess we'll call it that, that you guys are having to get to sit in the lower bowl and to be kind of scattered amongst out in the lower bowl, just to see, you know, can we change the atmosphere? I mean, 
I believe you mentioned, Jay, that you went to the game yesterday, and it seemed just watching it on TV that the, the crowd, I mean, obviously giving the circumstances of the game, but the crowd seemed to be really, really into it, uh, just, you know, with the stakes that were involved against Vegas, and then obviously, you know, that late third period collapse, and then heading into overtime. But regardless, the crowd, like, you could actually really hear the crowd, and even in the last, I think it was the last two minutes of the game, you could hear the crowd start chanting, go Canucks, go, which often doesn't happen and pete and i you know we've had access to season tickets through you know work for numerous years and we would take staff and guests to these games and they'd be like you know that was honestly kind of boring and then we would go to a playoff game and like why isn't the atmosphere like this every single game and i was like that's a great question and i unfortunately i don't have an answer there's just a bit of a culture around it right um like we've been talking about and it's it's the price point but it's also you know what people generally expect when they go there um and making it cool not cool like just showing an example like a lot of people just don't know what they want to do in there so they just kind of idly sit or you know they go to one game a year um and they haven't there's that in that shared knowledge of like, this is how I should be experiencing what I'm, what I'm doing right now. Um, versus like you did mention yesterday, like it, it's, it's pretty hard not to get geeked up about that game. Um, yeah. but you have to kind of have, um, a backbone of what's expected culture wise. Um, to you know we're, i'm going to the arizona the large series at arizona game tomorrow uh you know in april could have been meaningless arizona game uh you know the second of a back-to-back on tuesday which we're going to in the lower bowl um you know against ottawa which, which could be a mean, meaningless game depending on how tomorrow and the next games go uh you know so it's you have to kind of set and give people the option uh, for experiencing in a different way when, you know, it's just, I, it's not built here uh, the same uh, with, with other places. And it, it, I think it's a problem generally in the national hockey league. Um, you know, I don't think Rogers is, is exempt, but um, it's uh, it's something we're definitely trying to help change. I think, I mean, we all know that this city has at times a confusing relationship with uh, this hockey team as well there's certainly a bandwagon aspect to it uh, which every team gets but we've been in this prolonged period as well where as we know with the past management group and the rise of social media around that time it really kind of divided this fan base uh, a lot of the time as well and made it almost like if you were one of those people who are like you know what i'm still cheering on the boys uh you know i can't like i physically can't cheer for them to lose even though if people are telling me it's like oh well draft pick lowered you know get a better draft pick i i can't do it i can't cheer for the team to lose um but it's almost like uh at times overly optimistic or optimistic like i'm a half glass full fan i always describe myself that way um there isn't really a voice for that in the arena because you know the Mm -hmm. team gets down to nothing uh you know a quick start for the other team and it just feels like there's this air of deflation like oh we we've seen this before and um i i do like to think that there is an effort and you guys are obviously at the forefront of that and leading that charge to kind of 
bring some more of that. Like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a fan regardless. Like, yeah, we, we've never won a championship. We all know that, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going to stop cheering on the boys. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that players know uh, when they're supported. And like, I don't know if you've ever done anything in your life that you're properly supported. You just work harder. It's just a thing. Um, you know, you enjoy yourself more. The longevity of your tenure uh, is a lot longer, um, you know, when you're supported. Um, so it just, you know, and to the point of, you know, the fans being divided and, you know, positivities, some really divide some people, uh, you know, I, it's, it's tough. Like, yeah, you want them to win, but, it's also not a one-liner, uh, you know, 140 characters, even if you do it you know, <laughs> seven times a week and really consistent about it, right? So um, these are people from the top of the management on down, like we've mentioned some of them here, um, you know, uh, on the business side and on the and on the hockey ops side um, that, you know, has, has to move the needle and, um you know, fandom is a part of that too, right? Like I kind of said, like you got to show your support. Uh, if you want to watch something else, if you want to spend your time doing something else, uh, you're going to do that too. But, and at the end of the day, like one team raises the championship and there's 31 other disappointed teams. And that's just been us uh, every single time. It <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not going to stop supporting and hoping. Yeah, I mean, the Stanley Cup's one of the hardest trophies to win in all of professional sports. And I think people think that, you know, the Canucks should be winning, you know, multiple cups year after year. It's like, it's not that easy. You know, when's the outside of Tampa recently, you know, when was the last back-to-back championship? I mean, I guess we've had Tampa and Pittsburgh relatively recently. But before then, I don't think there was a back-to-back champion since Detroit in the early 2000s. It's pretty much once a decade. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one question for you, Jay, and you know the rest of the Larshiders. Do you guys ever plan in the future? And I know it's a bit of a trek, but to maybe go out and invade Abbotsford for a game or two? Definitely, um, definitely talked about it. Uh, we have a, a group, um, you know, that is more based in Surrey as well. So it's like, like that makes sense to rally th- those guys. And uh, um, but yeah, we, we'd love to go out there see the baby Canucks. Um, COVID this year, obviously, uh, didn't work out. Lots of chatter about it, but um, yeah, definitely. And the, the price point's a lot better. So even with the drive, it makes it worth it. Hey, um, I want to shift gears a little bit here um, and talk about uh, some things on the ice. Um, just because uh, you mentioned uh, back there about how, you know, with the players notice support and they notice uh, that when when they're getting cheered on, which which is very true. Um, one guy who's getting his tires pumped a lot everywhere uh, lately and deservedly so uh, is our boy Vasily Pod Colson, who just has been slowly and slowly as the season's gone on, just been getting better and better. And uh, it feels like the training wheels are kind of off it with him. His confidence appears to be sky high, which it's debatable that he's ever really had that since uh, his, his draft year. Uh, Cause he's, you know, he's had all those issues in the KHL, like not getting ice time. Um, and it feels like here he's, he's getting top six minutes now due to injuries, of course, but still he's getting top six minutes. He's earning it. 
And he's getting a ton of praise. You're hearing how he's the first guy on the ice, the last guy off the, he's working in the gym. He's humble. Like, I mean, this guy's kind of right now, he's ticking all the boxes as a Canucks fan, isn't he? Yeah. The kid's a pro for sure. Uh, I think there's still aspects of his game that he, he can improve. Like it's been noted about his skating. Um, he's already a good skater, but he, he could definitely be smoother and his stride could be a lot longer, uh, which is just going to increase his speed. But um, from what I'm seeing, he's getting all, all over the ice quite, quite efficiently. Uh, you know, his shot is definitely uh, NHL caliber. Um, his hands are where they need to be. Um, and uh, he's, he's playing solid hockey. So, you know, you can't, can't blame the kid for anything. He's, I think you said it right. He's earning his ice time. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a definitely a good, solid pro. Um, you know, he took his lumps in, in the K. I think that that helped him teach a lot, uh, teach him a lot, you know, and to speak to his, his character and his ethic, like you don't become captain of Russia's uh, under 20 team doing nothing. Um, you know, despite what you want to say about the program, you know, that's still a very coveted position. Um, and they don't, uh, the, you know, if you want to lead those men and boys, uh, you know, you got to buck up there. Not to mention he's doing all this while also learning a new language and his English from the beginning of the year to now has actually come a long way. And to me, that just goes to show how much, you know, work and dedication he puts into everything he does. And, I, I think also having the coaches trust, right? I mean, we've seen it for probably a month, maybe a month and a half now. Bujo's putting him out there in the last minute, the last, you know, 30 seconds of a game. And generally speaking, you don't see guys, especially rookies out there like that. And to me, that just goes to show that Bujo trusts him. And he's also, you know, like Pete said, and like you said, Jay, he's earned that trust. He's earned that belief from his coach to be out there trying to defend a lead. Uh, in the last, you know, minute or 30 seconds of a game. To be fair, though, he's putting out uh, trees and uh, burrows on forward in the last five minutes. So he's, his options are a little yeah. limited right now. Uh, but, uh, no, Pond goes in, like he said, definitely earned it. Um, and I really like what I saw. He was, you know, basically double shifted the last two periods uh, last night. You know, they were thrown out the third line a little bit. The fourth line, I think, had four shifts in the last two periods or five. Um, you know, so he, he's he's going at a really good clip and um, earning the minutes. As the season's gone on and, you know, you mentioned uh, double shifting up front and uh, there's been a slew of injuries and stuff. Um, what do you think right now is uh, uh, the Canucks kind of greatest weakness down this stretch here. Like I know that obviously they're, there's, they're a little bit hobbled, uh, but they're still keeping it in there. Um, what's an area that you would really like to see them make improvements on? Mm, good question. Uh, well, they got two shots in the last 15 minutes of the game yesterday. So yeah, the double shifting, it's really tough. Um, you know, you got to say depth is just, just really the, the crux here. Uh, how they've been playing otherwise, you know, the stats of since Goudreau came on, um, you know, the roster uh, needs to be deeper. If it's healthy, it's it's going to do well, um, you know. Uh, and then with that, they have to take advantage and generate shots and drain an offense. Like, they're, they're playing really kitty bar the door. It's because they need to. Even in the first period, they were collapsing low and, 
went went long stretches of time without a shot. Um, you know, so they're doing what they need to do, um, but they they got to get back to playing offense, and they uh, otherwise this is going to be very very short lived. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, at least in my opinion, that's been kind of very detrimental for this season for the Canucks is just their inconsistency to play a full 60 minutes. That second period last night was arguably one of the best periods they've played all season. And they had all the momentum heading into that third period. And like you said, Jay, they mustered two shots in the first 15 minutes of that period and mm-hmm. got outscored to nothing in that period. And it's just, you know, that consistency of playing a full 60 minutes, not letting off the gas, not playing, not to lose. And I think often we've seen that with, plenty of iterations of the Canucks over the last decade or two, where when it comes down to that last 10 minutes, six minutes, two minutes of a game, they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And of course, uh, depth as well, you know, four wingers out of the lineup with injury right now, Besser, Pearson, Hoglander, and Highmore. And of course, Tyler Mott is gone as well. It's moved guys like Pod Colson up the lineup. And another guy we've seen uh, a bit more up the lineup is Alex Chason, who's gone from being kind of in the doghouse a lot of the year to actually starting to get a, a little bit of love from the fans. And he's showing up on the score sheet and uh, playing on the power play. Uh, what do you guys think of Chason's game over the last little while? Oh, God damn time. <laughs> I like I know statistically he was like okay uh but he he looked like he was straining uh as he was moving around the ice um looked like he was struggling to think and make plays out there um he didn't look good on the power play for a long time uh especially to start the year um so you know definitely eyeball test did not pass, um, but I eyeball test now. Um, you know he's moving better. He's making better decisions. Uh, he's like he's actually able to get places to make checks um, and win puck battles. So you know uh, he's passing that more, uh, and he's being rewarded for it. So. Uh, you know, thank goodness, because otherwise this conversation wouldn't be happening in terms of playoffs unless, you know, he's went on this little mini hot streak that he's got going on. Yeah, I mean, I think with Chase on, like, he is a consummate pro, right? Like, he's a guy that I actually thought the Canucks might be able to flip for, you know, a sixth or seventh round draft pick because, you know, he can help a playoff team, right? He can help a playoff team second unit power play and he can provide decent minutes on a fourth line to a team that needs a little bit more of a net front presence. And, you know, maybe a guy who's, you know, good at uh, knocking in deflections from the front. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of the hoopla regarding chase on being a Canuck this year was a lot of people said that that's why we lost Zach McEwen and, or Dajovic is that they chose to sign McEwen from his PTO to an actual contract which then forced them to put McEwen and Gadjevich on waivers. I mean, I think, Pete, you pulled out the stat a couple of episodes ago where if you were to look at the combined points McEwen has this year and Gadjevich has this year, Jason's got almost double both of them combined. Yeah, he does. And also uh, Jason in five games in the month of April has seven points. He's third on the team in goals and points uh, so far this month. Um, but yes, uh, Jay, you got something there. 
Yeah, it's a tough one because, like, with both those players, obviously you couldn't keep everyone, but, like, how uh, nice would it be to put Zach McEwen on the right wing versus uh, Kyle Burrows uh, on Tuesday, right? So um, those are the tough decisions you have to make. Um, You know, I think those ones are kind of why we're seeing the depth that we're seeing right now and, you know, frankly, why the management group's not here anymore. Um, so, you know, and I want to say one thing about the, the prior note, uh, we were kind of talking about, you know, the po- polarizing nature of everything in, in the world and specifically the, the management with Canucks, it's like, you know, they're, they're professionals and, um, I'd, I'd given Jim Benning until the end of this year, um, kind of based on two years ago with conversations with friends and stuff. And if this is his team. Uh, and, you know, based on that, like we're doing pretty well, but they're not deep enough. So uh, now it's and it was time to move on from him. Yeah. And I think you bring up an interesting point about Burroughs and playing the wing last night. He took that late penalty in the game. And it's, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he's playing out of position. And, you know, he, he's not used to playing a forward position. And that lack of depth is, you know, essentially what caused him to be playing out of position and take a bad penalty, frankly. Yeah, I said the exact same thing last night when I was watching the game. I was like, it's, you don't make that play if you're an actual winger. Yeah, yeah, I would have liked to know what the Vegas odds were at the start of the year of the Canucks icing in any game this year, a line of Sheldon Drees. Uh, Burroughs and uh, Richardson, you know, like, I mean, what, what would it, what would have been the odds of that? I, w- I did not have that on my Canucks bingo card this year. Um, hey, um, we, we haven't talked about PD yet. Um, PD's just playing next level hockey right now. Uh, we see he's got the swagger back. He's got the Deeks. Um, I mean, what do you guys think about uh, what he's been doing? Do you guys think he was banged up still a bit to start the year or just a bit rusty from missing the last half of last year? Yeah, what a player, that guy. Um, I really think so. Um, when I hurt my wrist, uh, it takes me forever. Uh, so and I don't have to use it to hammer a puck uh, 100 miles an hour. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I definitely think he was banged up. It definitely takes, takes some time. Um, you know, also, it takes time to figure things out um, and, you know, get get into your own groove but uh he's a special player and glad that uh he just had that one blip so far in his career and hopefully he continues on yeah i agree i i I do think he was having some nagging lingering issues with the wrist um you look at brock besser brock besser had hurt his wrist when he was playing for university of north dakota and i believe for the first year maybe year and a half he was with the canucks you saw that he had still was taping up his wrist and wrapping it every game. And that was like a year and a half after he had injured it in college and PD not getting probably the proper uh, off season training that he needed. Uh, and then obviously you lose confidence, right? I mean, confidence is a huge thing when it comes to professional athletes. And we've seen these guys who have all the raw talent in the world to be the best of the best, but if they lose that confidence, it really does start to weigh on, you know, their, how long it takes them to react to a play, you know, whether they're, they, they make a misread or they're waiting that extra half second to fire the puck away. And that's what we were seeing from Petey from the majority of the season. And I think now, you know, with the new coach as well, and 
you know, the travel screen thing is, is what really blows me away because it really seemed like the entire dressing room was out of what wasn't, you know, back in green and, you know, the, the systems and the narrative he was spending, he was spinning in the dressing room right out the gate. It just didn't seem like nobody was on board with green. And so you factor that in with the coaching change and it seems like he is actually healthy now and he is beating guys to the puck. And the fact that he's actually, he's initiating contact again, which we did see for a slight guy, PD would actually, you know, be pretty physical. And I think for the majority of the year, he was actually avoiding any of that physicality, probably because of the nagging and lingering issues with his wrist. And you're seeing him initiate contact again. And I don't think there's any, I, I think it's a direct correlation to the uptick in the production he's had since then. I like that you mentioned his hits. Uh, I was like really surprised. I think there was a shift in the first period. I believe he got three hits or, um, you know, he was in the offensive zone and he was really trying to make an impact uh, physically, which, you know, he had really lost for, you know, his, his slump there. He was more of a, a perimeter player, you know, not mucking and grinding quite as much. And he's a, he's a good defensive player for sure, but is definitely going that extra mile to to make sure that he's causing turnovers and you know being hard to play against. Do you yeah. think him playing some penalty killing minutes this year has actually improved his offensive game? Because I know Pete and I have talked about this, and I actually think it's kind of it. You heard Boudreaux say he actually went to him in regards to wanting to be on the PK. Uh, sorry, guys, my cat is literally going to the <laughs> bonus. Um, well, yeah, we actually don't know if that was Hughes or Petey because they both showed up on the penalty kill. Uh, he didn't specify their names. So. Mm-hmm. Fair but, enough. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it, it seemed like both of them were kind of pushing the you know pushing at him to, to get the opportunity to play on the PK, which I love. And I, I actually think it's improved his game. Yeah, no, uh, I think that's a good point. I'm a big proponent of putting your best players on the ice. Like just, you know, specialists are good. I know they give them rest, but unless they're the best specialists like Tyler Mott, um, you know, get JT Miller on the ice, get Bo Horvat on the ice, get PD on the ice, uh, let them play, let them do what they do best. And um, I definitely, it's a, it's a confidence thing. Like you said, uh, when, when the coach trusts you and it does translate to other things, just like, you know, when you play hard defense and, um, you know, you're hard to play against, you get the puck more um, and then your, your confidence skyrockets from that. Yeah. And, and the way uh, he's hitting as well. One thing I really noticed this last night is uh, PD does a modified uh, kind of version of what the Sedins did with playing the puck with their back to a defender. And he's done that a couple times more and, and he doesn't quite do it like the cycle, like the twins do it. He has this way where he's able to position his body. And uh, again, that was something that I just wasn't seeing earlier in the year. And so Doug, I think you, you were saying how, uh, you know, he wasn't really initiating contact because of the injury. And I think that might've been a part of it too. Like that is a style of how he plays and how he protects and it gives him a little time to read the ice and uh, make those sweet dishes across. So I, I do think that uh, that's something as well that, uh, that, that I've noticed is the way he's positioning himself and using his body uh, on the puck. So guys got to start wrapping this up here. I mean, we could keep going on for days, but before we go, I wanted to uh, just ask going back to the, the in-game experience uh, and Jay, I know you're a big music guy. Doug and I are big music guys. Um, Music at the games. Uh, like, do you have any songs that you would love to see them do during a game or even more so? Do you have any songs that you'd love to see them come out to? 
yeah, uh, the hype ones, the gold ones are, those are so tough. They're so, so tough. Um, yeah. And you could go a, a bunch of different ways on them. Uh, no matter what you pick, uh, someone's going to say that they got something better. Um, but the in-game songs, I have to talk about it. Every time someone asks me, I have to say it like the hockey song, like yes. for whatever reason, the suits, they hate it. Uh, you know, and they always talk about like that decision is they have to go upstairs to ask for that decision. Every time we ask for it, um, it's really tough. Um, you know, put the hockey song on there. That's what we need. That's what we want. Um, so that's, that's, I have to say that every time someone asks. And yet we still get force fed sweet Caroline every game, which just yes. drives me bananas. It's like, it's a Boston song. Yeah. Like the, what? Oh, the, the one that drives me nuts is like, we actually have conversations. Like we've, we've proven the business model. Like we've gone to the table, you know, we're like, we're fans. We know what we're talking about. Please don't play that song. Uh, next game what song's like oh thanks guys like you're in you're i'm talking to the person in control of this switch like yeah. please please it's like when they played a uh, chelsea dagger that one time that that she got reprimanded really hard for that one that I, was, I, uh, I, I, that was uh, what do you think of the new goal song jay because i know like i, I actually really like it. I, it it's not your traditional goal song but that's what i kind of like about it is it's not traditional i'm gonna i'm gonna flip it on you i really don't like uh, the song we got scored on, they play Outcast so fresh and so clean, even though uh, we just got scored on. Okay, I didn't notice uh, that. So I, I that one really drives me nuts. Um, uh, but in terms of the goal song, like again, you can always cut it a million ways from Sunday. Um, you know, I would love to see some local flavor. Uh, I would love to see. Uh, a bit more of a, a sing-along that's a decent sing-along uh, but it doesn't really like just like get me like oh like nice and ramped up um, the best goal song I thought anyone had um, when they did the player songs um, Ben Hutton had uh, Get Up uh, I, I believe it's I believe it's Fitty um, so I thought that one's pretty good um, but again like that, that's you can you can hammer that one too. For local, I mean, I've always thought Japan Droids, which are a local two-piece band from Vancouver, they've got a couple of songs that I think would be amazing as far as at least skating out. Um, and again, that local flavor, which I love. And there are some great local musicians that you know you just got to do a little bit of research. And yeah, I mean, some of those sing-along songs. I mean, the Japan Droids definitely have those oi, 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 kind of sing-alongs. That was terrible. I apologize to all the listeners out there but uh yeah i like the local flavor idea yeah. uh, your oi oi oi's are pretty good that was that was pretty punk um yeah. punk though as well i mean maybe we could get the uh the hansen brothers version of the hockey song out there you know a little bit of no means no a little bit of local i mean yeah. play the punk rock version uh I mean, that could be something I, I always like. Uh, I always like that as well. And um, and again, yeah, embracing the roots of the city. Vancouver has a real rich history of music, especially uh, around the 80s and 90s. A lot of good rock was recorded here. A lot of hair rock was recorded here. A lot of punk rock was recorded here. Like there's there is a lot of that kind of stuff that uh, I would love to see 
more in game as well. Uh, Sounds like you're all chiming for some Brian Adams to be played there, Pete. Oh man, could you imagine that? Yeah, I mean, you could slip in a little Brian Adams here and there, but uh, not as a goal song, not as an entrance song. I mean, I know entrance songs, uh, Doug and I, we've said for years, we always like uh, Wolf Like Me by TV on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I know it's cliched as all hell, but coming out to enter Sandman uh, always gets the the blood going, I think, as a fan. I know, though, everyone does that. But hey, that's uh, I, I, I can't think of anything more original off the top of my head here. I mean, I know it's really cheesy, but for me, like for the sing along song, Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi, you know what? You can trash me all you want, but that's a great great sing-along song and i think it would get the whole crowd into it for sure they started doing that one a few times they've dabbled in it uh they've done they're doing a lot of this like what they call like lead-in now so like they like start a song and then the puck drops and they're hoping people are kind of i really like that one for that one um yeah in the the back to the goal songs and stuff it's just so hard because they don't want like some obscure gob song yeah. or, uh, you know, uh, uh, phono pony, uh, you know, <laughs> punk, even though it'd be awesome. Uh, but you know, no one knows what the hell that is. And again, Bon Jovi, you got the connection to Vancouver. That song was recorded here in Vancouver uh, as well. So, uh, there, there is that too, um, to, to chuck on top of that. No sweet Caroline, get no. rid of outcast after they score on us. And and the other uh, song I've noticed that around everywhere is getting the uh, the sing-alongs now is that Blink song. Uh, everyone's doing the 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 Blink bear and they kill the music and okay. everyone's getting the the na 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 na's going. Yeah. There's your yeah, na na's. That's a good one too. It is yeah. good, but uh, yeah, at least mixed up. Yes, I think we all agree. Sweet Caroline um, is hitting the road. Uh, Jay, uh, before we let you go, um, if someone's wanting to join you guys, I know you only got a few handful of tickets left. What do they got to do? How do they find you guys? Uh, the best way is uh, larshiders at gmail.com. Uh, Hit that up. Uh, you'll get hooked into kind of our little Facebook community there. Uh, and then from there, we post all the information uh, to make it happen, including the commandments, uh, how to get tickets, um you know make friends um and if uh, singles ever come up on sale for um a regular packs or this game uh post uh initial sale uh, aftermarket tickets will also be on there so uh, larshiders at gmail.com and uh i hope you join us and uh it's always it's always fun yeah definitely and this was fun too jay thanks again for coming back on uh always a great talk it's uh great to hear what you guys are doing and uh, it looks like I'm going to have to grab my ticket and come down and join you guys uh, on Tuesday as well. Yeah. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jay. Always a pleasure. And like Pete said, we'll definitely have to get you back on. All right. It's that time of the episode for the free pour open floor segment. And I want to talk about another video game. I talked about one a few weeks back, and I'm going to talk about another one that I've been playing really, really religiously, and it's a game called Elden Ring. I'm sure, you know, everybody who's into video games, it's the hot, it's the new hotness, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, uh, fantastic game, huge open world for you to explore. It's, you know, kind of set in a fantasy world with dragons and monsters and stuff like that but it's a great game there's so much depth into it i may or may not have stayed up till four in the morning the last couple of weekends playing it like legit um 
But yeah, man, Elden Ring, I'm sure if you're into video games, you've heard it, heard of it, and if you haven't played it or you've been on the fence to buy it, you should definitely go check it out. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about music. As I mentioned earlier, I went over to Victoria last weekend, and one of the things I always do when I go to Victoria is I go to Ditch Records over there. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to, to Ditch Records because... I don't know how they do it, but their store always has just an incredible stock. Uh, it's very well organized. It's very reasonable priced. And I went a little bit crazy uh, when I was over there uh, this time. And uh, that often happens, but I'm finding records in there. I'm like, I've never seen this before. Um, I ended up buying seven records, but like, one of them was uh, the, there's a reprint. Uh, I've been looking for this forever, but they got a reprint of Damaged by Black Flag. Uh, which I've been trying to find a copy of that for a long time. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yoink. Um, and then just uh, a whole collection of others. I took my stack up to the front, and the guy's like, you've really got quite uh, the stack in here. I'm like, yeah, you know, Black Flag, Dak Punk, Samande, Beastie Boys, Santa Gold, Pink Floyd, uh, and Karangbin. Like, it was quite the mix up there. But, man, I'm so stoked. That was when I got back on Sunday night, just uh, – have poured myself a couple drinks, put that on. Um, but anyways, Ditch Records. Uh, Victoria, you guys are, are very lucky that holds up to any record store in Vancouver. It's a great spot. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Episode 111 is just about in the books. And thanks again to Jay from the Larshiders and just to the Larshiders in general for doing what they do. Uh, that was a really fun chat. Yeah, I mean, I think Jay explained, you know, what their whole philosophy is about trying to, you know, engage in fandom in the arena and try to, you know, make Rogers Arena a more lively place without, you know, offending or being obnoxious to some of the other fans in the arena. And I look forward to them, you know, being in the lower bowl uh, of the game on the 19th against the Ottawa Senators. And yeah, I really like what they're doing. Uh, I, I, I think it's, we have complained as a fan base for nearly a decade and a half now about how Rogers Arena can be very quiet and very non-enthusiastic and you know the Larshiders they're they're trying to change that yeah once again uh, if you missed it contact them at larshiders at gmail.com uh, for any info about this game coming up on the 19th and uh, just any other games or any other information you want they'll be happy to help you out uh, Doug since we last recorded as well uh, Major Sports League got going and the Toronto Blue Jays are back and playing ball and uh, you know, uh, for me, that's just, it's, it means summer's coming. Uh, I, I enjoy putting on the ball games in the back. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that I think the baseball season being 162 games is far too long. Um, but like you said, Pete, putting it on the background and, you know, puttering around the house while you're cleaning or cooking or doing whatever, uh, that's what's great. And the Jays won today, I believe it was 6-4 over the Yankees. Vladdy hit three home runs in that game against the Yankees, which is great. So he had his second, third, and fourth home run of the season. Uh, I think it's the second time in his career he's had a three home run game. And I mean, I think this kid could definitely be in the hunt for the MVP this year. And there's a lot of baseball pundits that think that this Jason could 
end up in the World Series. I know we're, what, 10 days into the season or 12 days into the season, but a lot of smarter baseball men and women than me are predicting the Blue Jays to get to the World Series this year. I think the Jays play something like 30 in the next 31 days. Uh, I mean, geez, Vladdy played at Yankee Stadium all the time. He'd probably hit 80 home runs. Um, Doug, one last piece of business before we sign off. Uh, Spencer Martin, re-signed with the Canucks. We never touched on that earlier. Uh, personally, I think it's a great little deal. Uh, first year, 750. Second year, 775. One-way deal. Looks like he's going to be the backup for the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I think it's actually uh, it's great on two levels. One, obviously, I think Spencer Martin's definitely deserved a chance to play with the big club next year. Uh, I think he's earned that spot just with this play in Abbotsford and the few games he's had with the Canucks. And then also, it gives a chance for another prospect to get more games in Abbotsford and Arthur Seelofs, who I think a lot of people think maybe has a higher potential than Mikey DiPietro at making the NHL. Both great points. Uh, it's nice to have a goalie under contract next year. Uh, well, two goalies, I mean, obviously, but we kind of have that sorted out. And coming in at a combined reasonable cap as well. Once again, you can follow us online. I'm at Pete underscore gas. And again, check out our playlist on Spotify, the Connect Speakeasy outro playlist. Uh, it's a fun one with over well over 100 tracks now. Do that. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Doug Fenn. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Speak. As always, thanks for listening. Hasta luego.